All right, welcome everyone to the first episode of the Sweet Spot Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lebovich, and I'm here with my boy and my co-host, Mark Abramovitz. Today's a big day, buddy. What's going on, Jake? Yeah, it's very exciting. Long time coming here on the pod. For sure. So today, the ship sails, everyone. We're going to be diving into the sweet spot between data utilization and human decision-making within the world of baseball development and gameplay. So Mark, this was actually an idea that you've kind of been tinkering with for a long time. So why don't you kind of start off the pod by telling everyone what is the sweet spot that we keep referring to and kind of why does the sweet spot exist and why we want to dive into it particularly? Yeah. So in terms of what it is, and we'll talk about this a little bit more as we get going, but effectively, whenever you're using data to make any sort of decisions, there's going to be fundamental limitations into how you gather your data, how you use that data, and how you ultimately make decisions based on it. And so what we really want to hit on is how do we optimize that wiggle room that's always going to exist? There's no model that's perfect. Um, and so we have to figure out how we want to optimize for that. In terms of kind of where this idea was born, I know exactly when the idea first hit me. I was watching 2020 World Series. I'm watching game six. And I'm sure you remember when Blake Snell's dealing in that game. Everyone knows he's got the rock. This is his game. The Rays are up one nothing, And with, I think, one out in the sixth inning, Kevin Cash comes in, pulls him out as soon as he lets a runner on base. And, I mean, the rest is history. The Rays go on and lose that game, lose that series. Um, and it had people wondering, why did he pull Blake Snell right there in that game? And people started pointing to too much reliance on analytics, third time around the order. But it kind of felt like to anybody who knows the game and really anybody who knows sports, you could feel that there was something different that was going on there where it felt like an injustice to just rely on some data that you had sitting on your scorecard. I can tell you personally, for me, being a pitcher, I was watching that game in live and thinking there is no way that this guy is getting pulled right now because I can remember countless situations where I was in a game and regardless of what had happened previously or what may or may not have been the right quote unquote analytical decision, I was so in the zone and on my game and I felt untouchable and my teammates thought I was untouchable. And that's the kind of situation that you have to let a guy ride out. So the fact that analytics per se were the thing that stopped him from continuing that performance is kind of crazy to me now that baseball analytics is kind of blowing up the way it is. Yeah. And as a catcher, I could also tell you that worst case scenario, what I'm doing there when one guy gets on base Maybe a mound visit, maybe crack a little joke. I've never been game six of the World Series. I don't know if the jokes play as well there as they do in a regular game, but you're just going out there trying to calm his nerves a little bit. But I totally agree. Something's different out there when you know you're shoving and that game ball is yours and it's in your hands. And there's something different about that moment. And that's kind of what we want to talk about here is how do you fine tune for when the moment is significantly different from the story that your data has been telling you up to a certain point. Right. So two things. One, I'm going to derail for a little bit and just take a quick pit stop and share a, a little story for everyone to give them some background. Mark and I played baseball for 
what, 10 years together uh, through little leg all the way up through high school. And Mark was my catcher. And whenever I used to get into any sort of jam where the moment, like he was saying, seemed to be getting a little too big, he would jog out to the mound. And every single time he'd tell me a joke and it just kind of made me chuckle and calm my nerves. And for some some reason it helped and it kind of allowed me to just refocus and and get back in and like that's kind of tying back to the Snell situation is there are certain things that could go on that could change the trajectory of how a specific moment goes more than analytics can tell you about so I guess the question for me is like you talk about a lot of these like fundamental limitations right with data and the way that you process and analyze data right so like what exactly do we want to learn about how we can optimize that sweet spot for example so one thing that we're going to have to start with here it's what's known as the bias variance trade-off in any sort of data modeling what does that mean So you basically have two sides of the coin whenever you're trying to build any sort of model that's going to predict something. And the two sides of that coin are you want to be able to really accurately predict, quote unquote, everything that's already happened. The reason I say predict is because you want to be able to say, given what I've seen before, how well can I get that right? So think you're studying for a test. You've seen all the answers to the test before. How well can you just get the answer right that you've already seen before? What do you have to teach yourself about the things you've already seen to just get right or predict the things you've already seen? That's the less interesting part. The much more interesting part is once I've gotten all that data for stuff that I've already seen and hopefully have a pretty high accuracy on stuff I've already seen, how well do I do on data that I've never, ever seen? And that's always the question that we're really focused in and most data modeling, but primarily in sports. We're interested in, we've seen a batter get up with two strikes. We've seen a pitcher go through his third time in the order. What do we say is going to happen this time that it happens when I've never seen Blake Snell in game six in the 2020 World Series, but I've seen a pitcher go through the order for the third time. I've seen what happens to Blake Snell when a certain batter comes up with a runner on base. How well does what I've seen already apply to the stuff that I'm going to see? Right. And I guess from your expertise, as much as you have of it, like how confident can someone be in a data model for something that's never happened? Right. Because like, at least for me, someone who's not really into the data side of things, it's kind of a confusing topic to me to think, well, how is this model going to predict Blake Snell, you know, going through the third time in the order when it doesn't know Blake Snell? Like, how does it know what Blake Snell is going through on the mound? How does it know when he's struggling mentally or not struggling mentally? Do you kind of know what I'm saying? For sure. And so I'll give you the short answer to your question, which is not going to be very satisfying. And the answer is you don't know. You never know in these kinds of situations. Now, that might be really uncomfortable for somebody to say, hey, why are analytics taking over the game when Mark's sitting here telling me the analytics never know? Well, the coach also never knows. Even if you're not looking at any sort of data and your coach is just going out there going, that guy looks like he has it today. Maybe that's a better way to look at things. Maybe it's not. The question is, how do you optimize for what kind of balance you're going for between those two things? I think something to point out also is that before the days of sabermetrics in baseball, where everyone wanted to know your exit velo and your ex-woba and your fielding independent pitching... People still used analytics 
we just used to call them batting average and earned run average. But don't make any mistakes about it. Those were analytics. Those were how many times does this batter get a hit per at bat that he has. That's analytics of sorts. It doesn't seem very advanced to us now when we have so much more data. And that's really where the revolution has come from. It's not so much that we're just smarter. It's not really the case. It's just that we have the ability to gather and process so much more data than we've been able to before. Right. And for people listening who are very familiar with baseball or not, people might be saying to yourself, oh, well, how often does this sweet spot come into play, right? We had just mentioned the one Blake Snell situation, but how often is there really a crossover that leaves this gap to analyze between the data and the human decision-making? And to be honest with you, it, it happens quite often. And it's even happened as recently as this past playoff, which I'm sure you remember with the Blue Jays, right? And they had Jose Berrios. He had 30 to 40 pitches and he was cruising and what had happened was is the analytics told the manager that they should try and put in a lefty to create the opposing team to flip their batters taking out some of their starters to put in lefties or righties to face a specific pitcher right and what happened was is they brought in the lefty kikuchi and the manager switched one hitter and then kikuchi had to face four straight righties and everybody kind of knows what happens after that where they started teeing off scored a bunch of runs they end up losing the game and end up losing the series right and that's another situation of a scenario where there was probably a bridge of gap where the manager could have said, you know what? Berrios is rolling. He's seemingly untouched through three innings. I don't feel a need to bring in another pitcher here. And it kind of brings up an interesting scenario of, well, what, well, what do you do, right? Like, what do you do when you, you find that, that gap? How do you bridge it? Where the fundamental limitation comes in is the trade-off between wanting to be really good at predicting the stuff you've already seen that's how biased you are. But you also want to be really good at predicting the stuff that you haven't seen yet. And that's the variance part. You don't want to have, you don't want to be subject to so much variance in your prediction. What does that look like? Let's say you want to predict what pitch is going to be thrown next. Maybe that's based on the count, could be based on the pitcher. You might want to take into account the score. You might want to take into account the ballpark, maybe the weather. As you add more and more layers of complexity to your model, you're going to get better and better and better at predicting what's already happened. Why might that be the case? So let's say I give you two examples where it was the same count, same pitcher and batter, same score, same weather, but this was a home game for one team and an away game for that team. So you've got two different stadiums. And in those two instances, maybe one of them was a fastball and one of them was a curveball. If you're allowed to use that extra parameter of what stadium was it in, you're going to be even better at predicting what already happened. But what's the issue? When you see future examples, you might be a little too prone to using all that data you've got. So now that you're allowed to use what stadium was it in, you might be using that a little too much versus if I were to switch which stadium had the fastball and which stadium had the curveball, that might totally change what you're going to predict in the future. And that's where that variance comes in. It's you've tweaked one of those inputs a little bit. And because you were too specifically focused 
on the stuff you've already seen, you're now very prone to making mistakes in the future because you're too confident about the stuff you've already seen. So how might you want to fix that? You might say, okay, let me leave a little bit off of the stuff I've already seen. Now you're necessarily going to get a little bit worse at predicting the stuff you've already seen. And that's where that trade-off kind of comes in. That's the sweet spot. Literally being able to find the sweet spot between how much of the data that you're given you use versus how much of the data you're given you decide not to use. And that is, you know, the literal thing that we're trying to discuss is when that happens, it creates this gap. And this gap is where human decision making within baseball can actually come into play and kind of how that can impact the game in a lot of different ways. And the way you put it, there's almost really two sweet spots. One of them is a sweet spot only on the data side. You can have a sweet spot just on the data side of exactly how many parameters I use. And without getting into too many details, there are ways to kind of optimize that on the analytical end. And that sweet spot is very interesting in itself. But with sports and particularly in baseball, we know that we kind of have this portion that's harder to quantify. And the question is, Given that we're trying to optimize both of these things, what's that sweet spot between all this great data that we've got and want to be able to use because we know it can be helpful? What's the sweet spot between that and just taking a good look at the game and trying to see what's going on? Do you think that eventually data and data analytics will be able to take into account these like intangible things? Like at some point, are they going to be able to? include in a metric when a guy is on a on a hot streak when his momentum shifts like is that even possible to quantify it's funny you mentioned that there was actually a paper written a few years ago what the paper was about was how david ross kind of hopped around from the red sox to the cubs and both of those teams were championship winning teams and someone looked at it and said here you've got a veteran who when you're watching these teams and you're watching the game you can tell this guy has an effect on the team he's playing for. And their question was, can we quantify this? And the answer was yes. I mean, I could tell you from me personally, through high school and college playing baseball, there were some, there were definitely some guys on our rosters that were just team guys. They barely touched the field, but having them in the locker room at practice in the game, it completely changed the environment that we were playing with. And that's huge sometimes, you know? So I think as data analytics grow and it can kind of accumulate the information about these intangible things that makes data analytics, I feel like even more accurate and scarier in terms of how it can predict certain players outcomes and stuff like that. Yeah. There's a great piece in the book Astro Ball by Ben Ryder, where they talked about similar to David Ross. They talked about the effect that Carlos Beltran had on that team where as a veteran and particularly as a bilingual player who had a long successful career, he was able to really bridge the gap on that team between some guys who spoke different languages. And even that, which particularly for baseball, especially as the sport becomes more global, is going to be increasingly important. Even a seemingly minor thing like that, which is not going to show up in the box score, can be really important to what a team does at the end of the day. And so I think what we're learning and going to explore on this pod is the analytics are going to tell us a lot. And in the future, they're going to tell us more and more. As they tell us more and more, 
it's almost going to come more important to be able to decipher when do I decide that my data is not telling me something that's equally important as to know when it's telling you something important is to know the data doesn't apply to this particular situation. And so optimizing for that sweet spot that we're talking about is going to become probably increasingly difficult and increasingly important. Yeah. And and I think it's pretty interesting also is to kind of see how players and coaches at different levels, right? High school, college, pro ball, indie ball, how they use the data, right? I mean, high school guys might use it different from college guys. College coaches might use it different from pro coaches. So I'm curious and excited to hear from a variety of different people how the different ranks of baseball actually use data and kind of at what capacity does the coach or player development guy actually have their hand on the decisions that are going to happen within a game. And especially with your own expertise, Jake, in helping guys with pitch design, I'm sure there's a ton that goes into there where you're getting a ton of data on the way these guys are throwing and all the metrics on every pitch that they're experimenting with. But the interplay between the data you're getting and just knowing the guy and being a coach to him instead of just showing him a bunch of numbers, I'm sure you get a lot of interesting avenues to explore this as well. 100%. And I could dive into it forever. Um, So it might be a good idea to kind of hash this out on another episode of the podcast. But just something as as a little teaser is, let's say you're working with a guy and his slider metrically is better than his curveball, right? Both are pretty good pitches, but his slider moves 20 inches horizontally and his curveball only drops 10 inches, right? And he feels way more confident throwing his curveball than his slider, right? This type of an athlete might kind of baby the slider a little bit or spike the slider a little bit because he's tentative in terms of trusting it, whereas he is so confident to flip that curveball in because of maybe how much he's used it in the past or the grip feels better, right? So at that point, as a coach, you have to decide, okay, I have two pitches. One metrically beats out the other one. But the but the curveball is the one that he's going to be able to effectively throw for more strikes, throw in the zone, be competitive, get guys out. So at that point, it's like, well, where do we where do we kind of find the sweet spot between using both pitches? Do I really work harder to get the curveball to be metrically as good as the slider, or do I really work hard to get this guy to be able to throw his slider for competitive strikes? And that's kind of where that gap is in terms of bridging the data with your own kind of human decision-making. Yeah, absolutely. And I won't get you even started right now on how you're going to tunnel those with different pitches. Cause I don't know if we'll, uh, I don't know if we've got enough space to record everything you're going to be able to say on that topic. Yeah. I don't, I don't think we do honestly, but we'll definitely get to it on another episode. For sure. And just kind of tying this up, I'm super excited to kind of dive into all this stuff in a lot of variety of topics. Like you mentioned, like we could, literally spend an entire episode talking about pitch design, talking about how the data can be used there and how it can be used, like we were saying, in a variety of different areas. So I'm kind of excited to hash that out with you and hash that out with other people and kind of learn as much as I can on this topic because it's something that I'm super, super interested in. For sure. We're going to talk about some of that. We're going to talk about debunking some of the black and white thinking in terms of the way people think about statistics and probability. We'll talk about induced break, which you teased a little bit um, with different pitches. 
We'll talk about OPS, what it tells you, what it doesn't tell you, and lots more great stuff coming up. Lots of good topics to dive into, my man. All right. Well, we will catch you here next time on the Sweet Spot Podcast. Mm-hmm.